Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! We are just two days away from Syracuse football's season opener against the Louisville Cardinals, and there are storylines aplenty going into it. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Fizz Five alongside Ethan Frank. I'm Liam Griffin. Ethan, it feels like it feels like we're a kid waking up on Christmas morning. Finally, Syracuse football is here. That is. Nothing I could have said better myself, Liam. I mean, the excitement is a buzz. Syracuse has one of its most talented rosters in recent memory. There's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of chemistry there. I am excited to see the product Dino Baber's squad puts out on the field because last season, the end of it wasn't pretty. Um, So I think the expectations are higher than they've been in past years, which they should be, and which I think is a good thing because when expectations are high, that means that there is some sort of pressure. And when there's pressure, I think that's a good thing. Um, I was watching the U.S. Open last night uh, with Serena Williams was playing and they showed a a Billie Jean King sign and said pressure is a privilege. And I think Syracuse football should should be feel privileged to have a, a little bit of pressure on them this season uh so that's something that really stuck with me yeah absolutely over the past three years it feels like it's been i don't want to say rock bottom because five and seven isn't exactly rock bottom but three straight years without a bowl game for a power five program is nothing pretty so yeah like you said there's a lot of pressure on them and it all starts this weekend when the orange take on louisville and that is our first topic number one Saturday, September 3rd, 8 p.m. at the newly named JMA Wireless Dome. Yes, that sounds weird to us still. It's Syracuse and Louisville. Cardinals are four and a half point favorites per ESPN as of right now. Ethan, I'll start with this. What is the key for Syracuse if they are going to escape opening weekend victorious? Well, I, I think it's a couple things. One, it's start fast because it feels like every time Syracuse is playing Louisville, they fall behind early and then don't have the passing game to be able to throw the ball down the field to recover. And two, it's slow down Malik Cunningham because over the past, you know, what, half dozen years or so, Cunningham and Lamar Jackson, they've basically been clones of each other playing against this Syracuse defense, just immortally dominating the orange. So, you know, I was lucky enough to talk with former Cardinals player Vincent Lococo earlier in the week, And he really said it it has been a trickle-down effect from Lamar, then to Malik, how good these guys have been against the Orange, no matter where the game is, whether that was in Louisville or whether it was in Syracuse, that these guys just love playing against the Orange. And I I think Malik Cunningham is going to try to silence what should be an electric Syracuse crowd on Saturday night. But if you're able to slow him down and you're able to start fast, because we know the best player on Syracuse's entire roster is Sean Tucker. If you're able, able, I'm not going to say to establish the run, but be in a position where you have an option of calling pass plays versus run plays and not put yourself in exclusive, you know, passing downs. I think that is going to be something that would be really effective for Syracuse. Yeah. So Michael Jones said something earlier this week about this matchup. That is absolutely fascinating to me. He said something along the lines of facing Cunningham. I don't see it as much of a challenge or what? I mean, 
and you look at Cunningham's past three performances against the Orange, he's owned them. Let's not sugarcoat that at all. He has owned them. Over 750 combined yards on the ground and through the air in those three matchups. 13 touchdowns. 13 touchdowns. Now, I understand that all three games were played down in the Bluegrass State, but at the same time, and as much as I love Michael Jones, that, that feels like something stupid to say, given Cunningham's very, very good history against the Orange. So on that note, I agree with you. If the Orange are going to have any hope of winning this game, they have to have half to slow down Cunningham, make the Jalen Mitchells of the world beat them. Absolutely. I don't know why there's a need to add fuel to the fire. Uh, I agree with you on that. That seemed a little silly to me. But, you know, Michael Jones is the leader of the defense. He can do whatever he wants. But, you know, we'll see if it ends up coming back to backfire on him. And I think it just might. Yeah, and there's one other thing. So, if we're looking at this from defense and offense, you take stopping Cunningham defensively. Offensively, I need to see someone on the receiving core break down. Absolutely. You have to, whether it be Courtney Jackson, Damian Alford, Trevor Pena, Insert guy whose name on the roster we've only seen because we're looking through the roster and we haven't even seen him play a game yet. Anybody, literally anybody. Dan Valori is a guy that we can talk about too. That is paramount to this team because simply put, this offense was far too one-dimensional last year and it came back to bite them in several games, including the one against Louisville. Absolutely right. Uh, I mean, yeah, the receivers – I think are one of two units that have the most to prove on the team. And that's the defensive line. Those two position groups, I have the most question marks. It's clear when you look at the depth chart, you're like, who are some of these guys? And I think that is very, very concerning if you're a Syracuse fan, because, you know, you want to be screaming people's names when you're out cheering for, for your guys, but instead you're like, who are these people? So I, I think, if someone's able to step up and make a name for themselves at wide receiver and become a safety net or someone Garrett Schrader can trust, then that will be a huge boost to the Syracuse offense. Yeah. And you know, Garrett Schrader is one of the players in my eyes who has the most pressure on him because Carl Staria Wilson is sitting right behind him waiting for his shot. If things go South in a hurry, don't be surprised if Babers makes a move and Schrader getting that WR1 is going to help astronomically. Yeah, absolutely. I would be surprised if a move was made. I think Schrader has the trust, but it what you said makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we know football season is all the hype right now, but we want to shift to the basketball side of things for topic number two. Number two. Bad news on the recruiting front last weekend as Syracuse misses out on one of its top prospects, Reed Ducharme, picked Xavier over the orange. And that sets up, Ethan, kind of a really, really, really big Friday tomorrow because that's when the top guy in the class, J.P. Estrella, is set to announce his commitment. Yeah, things aren't looking good for Syracuse. A lot of predictions and experts saying he's going to go to Tennessee. And it seemed like they were kind of a package deal. Uh, Reed and JP wanted to come. If they were going to come to Syracuse, it would have been together. And Reed made the first move committing to Xavier. And it looks like JP is going to head elsewhere. So 
I, I, we've seen things change before. Judah Mintz had five crystal balls to DePaul and then all of a sudden committed to Syracuse. So you never know, but Syracuse also starting to get involved with other guys in a class, maybe looking yeah. at a backup plan for not getting Estrella. So I'm not too confident and it looks like Bayheim and company are going to have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, it does. And I don't want to say this is kind of what they get because they sat out way too soon. But at the same time, Ethan, and the fact that they have zero recruits for the class of 23 right now, I think is extremely alarming, especially in today's college basketball when players are in and out at the snap of a finger. And I know, I know that this 2022 recruiting class is among the strongest we have ever seen. And I can't, frankly can't wait to watch them play two months from now. But it leaves a bad impression on the future of this program. Heck, who knows how much longer Beheim's going to be around, too. Yeah, it does. I mean, you have a lot of depth right now. But as you said, the uncertainty of college basketball is, is clear. So you never know who's going to be around for the next season. And you have to prepare accordingly in Syracuse to this point. I mean, there's a lot of time left. May remember Mintz didn't commit until last April to finalize the class. So, you know, you could get a bunch of guys in a flourish, which Syracuse did last September and October. I believe Carey, Brown, Bunch all committed within a three-week span from the end of September to the middle of October. So you you never know what's going to happen. But sitting here today on September 1st, obviously you're a little concerned. How can you not be? And yeah, like you said, it's there's obviously uncertainty. And like you said, those three players committed within three weeks of each other. But the fan in me, and let's be real, the critic in me, wants to see some more action. Now, I know Jim Beheim probably has a different philosophy than I do because he's coaching the SU men's basketball team and I'm sitting here on a podcast. But at the same time, it'd be nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I thought you and Jim Beheim were in lockstep, but <laughs> but I, I guess I could see where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's not looking good for J.P. Estrella tomorrow, but crazier things have happened. Let's move back to football for talk number three. Number three. So earlier, I guess it was last week at this point, an article came out that was absolutely fascinating from Bet Online. For- providing the odds of ACC coaches getting the can, as in getting fired. Dino Babers has the shortest odds of any Power 5 coach, excuse me, first ACC coach, to be fired at plus 200, followed by Jeff Collins of Georgia Tech at 225, and then Mike Norvell, Florida State, plus 275. Ethan, let's start with this. Are you surprised? Well, you look at the list of names, Liam, and tell me who you think should be ahead of Dino Babers. Absolutely nobody. All right. So, no, I, I'm not surprised. I don't think you should be surprised. I don't think anyone should be surprised. Dino Bayers has one winning season as head coach of Syracuse in, what, over uh, over half a decade? I mean, it's just unacceptable ha- how poor the team has been over the last three seasons, the regressions they've made. This is a make-it-or-break-it year. It, I think his job will be safe if they win five games or more. But if they are worse than they were last year – you have to fire him. You have to, because if you don't, that just shows you don't care about winning. I think that, you know, Babers should get fired if Syracuse does not make a bowl game, regardless of if it's five and seven, 
regardless of if it's own 12. If Syracuse does not make a bowl game, Dino Babers has to go, plain and simple. There are three active Power 5 coaches who have had three straight losing seasons at the same school and still have that job entering this season. Dino Babers is one of them. And as much as I love who the are guy, the Who are the other two for context? I know one of them is Jeff Collins. I don't remember who the other one is. Okay. The fact of the matter is that he seems like a wonderful guy to sit down on the beach and just talk about life with. But at the same time, like, I'm sorry, you're not doing a good job as head coach of the program, and it's not exactly making a lot of Central New Yorkers happy. No, I, not at all. And it's making non-Central New Yorkers happy. There are Syracuse fans all over the country. I, I could phone a few right now who would love to talk about how much they dislike the job that Dino Babers has done with this program, but that's not the point of the show. The point is, is that he's not doing the job. And that is evidently clear by Syracuse's on-field performance and recruiting performance over the last few years. That being said, I do like, in fact, I love the additions Dino made to his coaching staff. And it goes beyond Robert and I. You have a guy like Chris Acuff, who has NFL experience, coming in to coach the D-line. That, believe it or not, that may be his saving grace this year, Ethan, bringing in this high-powered assistant coaching staff, and that may be what saves his job, even though him having the shortest odds out of any ACC coach, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it, it's, it makes perfect sense, and it shouldn't be any other way. Absolutely. Well, Syracuse.com wrote a fascinating article earlier this week, and that's what has us heading into number four number four so earlier this week syracuse.com wrote an article about ticket prices for each of the first four syracuse football games louisville purdue virginia and wagner Ticketmaster has the most expensive out of all of them but that aside the prices we see several are offering tickets well under ten ten dollars and Ethan, that's just for a power five school that feels horrendous. Well, I think about the carrier think about the JMA dome. I mean, <laughs> look at the the seating. It's all bleachers. And like, is it the most comfortable seating in the world? No. I mean, there's not a bad view in the house just because it's so confined and compact when you think about, you know, the height of the dome, but you're trying to – there were a lot of games where the crowd was half empty last season. So I think the goal is to try to get as many people in as possible, and I commend the uh, Syracuse Athletics for that. Obviously, you're trying to make money here, but get as many people in the Dome as possible. Get people to turn out. I'm not going to hate on them for having low ticket prices when, as someone like myself, I would – gladly pay low ticket prices for any sporting event. I fully agree with you on that front. I mean, who wouldn't want to pay cheapo depot to get into a power five football game. But at the same time, I think these low ticket prices are a testament to how down in the doldrums the team has been over the past few seasons, right? I mean, there's a reason Notre Dame, Penn State, insert college football powerhouse is having these expensive ticket prices now if you're Syracuse 
it's unrealistic to be put into that class. But really, tickets going from $1 for Wagner, and I get it. It's Wagner. But Purdue, tickets going from $7. The Boilermakers had one of the most dynamic offenses in the Big Ten, let alone the entire country last year. Do you really think people aren't going to want to come see that? But $7, come on, that, that feels low for a Power 5 school, Ethan, and it's a testament to where this program is right now, in my opinion. Yeah, people aren't going to want to come to the game if you're charging $25 for upper for second-deck bleacher seats. That's just not going to happen. You have to, You either have to charge lower prices and then make it back on concessions or merchandise that that's just how it works this isn't going to turn into an economics business podcast but i mean it's pretty simple you just want to get people in the building so that's where i think my alignment comes from i mean yeah, obviously notre dame is going to be significantly more expensive but i think the points you made are accurate but at the same time it still feels a little low and it still feels, I'm going to say empty, Ethan, because like you, like you talked about earlier, this program is under a lot of pressure. And if things go south in a hurry, those ticket prices may get even lower. Exactly. Yeah, they might. Oh, we have four down, one to go. We're going to keep it simple for topic number five. Number five. Straight up, Ethan, 12 games to go through, maybe 13. What is your record prediction for this year's SU football team? It's four and eight. I got the orange splitting. I don't know who, which one they're going to win, which one they're going to lose with Louisville and UConn. I think they're going to split with Purdue and Virginia as well. So I think they'll win one and lose one. I don't know which one yet. They'll beat Wagner. And then the last five, what is it, seven games, I, I only see a win in there against Florida State and everything else looks like a loss to me with the amount of road games and tough home games. I just don't see it. I see four and eight, five and seven at best. Yeah, Ethan, and th- this prediction has nothing to do with the talent on SU's roster because it's really good. It has no, it, it definitely has something to do with the talent on the roster. It has more so to – mine has more so to do with the gauntlet of a schedule. They well, if they, if they had a good right, roster, then, then it, if they had a good roster, then they, they wouldn't have – then they wouldn't have such a hard time against good teams. It's one of the teams. better rosters we've seen in recent memory but it's going to be hampered by the difficulty of the schedule they face. I think they wipe the floor with UConn and Wagner. That's two wins. I think they'll beat Virginia under the Friday night lights in the dome, but I don't see a win any other place. I've got them going three and nine. Jeez. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. So I can't see them beating Louisville or Purdue. Then after the Wagner game, you went through the really tough stretch, the four game stretch ESPN ranked as the hardest in all college football this year. NC State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Pitt. You're not getting a win there. Mike Norvell's team is on the rise. I have a hard time seeing SU beating them. They're not going to probably not going to beat Wake, even without Sam Hartman. And they're not going to beat Boston College on the road either. Three nine. I know it's tough to say that, but no faith. No faith. I just don't see it happening. Wow. No faith. I mean, people. You don't have to beat a bull either. Come at him. People come at Liam. He thinks Syracuse is going to win only three games this year. That is ridiculous. He just commended the talent on the roster and then went on to say they're going to win three games. Three. Because I commend the roster. 
they're just not better than the rosters they have to face. All right, whatever you I say. Th- I think Syracuse's roster is better than at least sixty percent of NCAA Division One football teams. Probably more. Probably more. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's a, a hot take at all. This is a Power Five school. <laughs> okay. Point stands. The schedule is just too tough for them to make a run at this point in time. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. All right. We'll see what happens. We will indeed. That does it for this edition of Fizz 5. Brief and Frank, I'm Liam Griffin. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the game on Saturday. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.